And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, April 8th, and we are here trying to help you make really good financial decisions. And when I say good ones, it's really predicated on what you want to do. So the financial decisions are about making sure that you can take a step towards something in your life that you want to achieve. As I say over and over, I am not into money for the sake of money. I just don't quite get it when people are like piling up money and not actually using it to enjoy some part of their lives. And whether that means doing something different or some sort of financial freedom or whatever it is, it's not worth it. You can pile it up, pile it up, pile it up. Mm -mm. You know, use your money to do something good with your life, something important that you feel good about and let us help you get there. You tell us what that good thing is, we'll help you get there. Promise. We really will. That's what we, we try to do every single day. Uh, all right. So, Mark, I'm going to do some emails today because I presume they're kind of piling up. This one I love. Here's the subject, how to get out of a timeshare. Good luck with this one. I've been involved in some timeshares, not myself, but my father bought one in Mexico once. He had to die so that we could get rid of it, by the way which is not the best answer to your question, Judith. Uh, Judith has owned a timeshare for 19 years. She paid cash for it. And she said she's faithfully paid her maintenance dues. And she says, I'm 81. Oh, no. She was recently diagnosed with leukemia, can no longer pay her dues. She said, I don't want it anymore. It's in Missouri. The state laws are that when you buy a timeshare there, you are a property owner. And my kids don't want it either after I die. I called the resort. I explained it. They've got no take back program. 
It has already gone into a collection agency, then will go into foreclosure. I offered to give it to them in lieu of the expense of their legal fees. They said, no, I'd like to get rid of this before I die. Is there any way I can get rid of it without having to pay anything out of pocket? I've advertised it for sale for a buck. There's no luck there. Thank you for any ideas and help. Mark, any ideas? I don't know if you're going to get rid of this. Uh, There are some companies that are trying to do it. I just don't know if it's worth it even to do that. Timeshares are not great investments when it comes to this particular kind of issue. I really, I'm sorry. I I don't have a great idea. Maybe our community is. So guys, if you're listening and someone has had a good experience here, please let us know. All right. This is Steven wants to know subject I bonds versus the 529 plan. All right, here we go. He says, hi, Jill and Mark. I love the show. Jill on Money podcast and a mug of coffee are a fixture of my morning commute. Here's the question. We have a 529 for our oldest daughter who's in 10th grade, and it's currently invested in a target-based fund with a large investment company, Vanguard. The current allocation, 22% equities, 53% bonds, 25% cash. It earned 4% last year. It's down 4% this year. I think we've got enough to cover the anticipated cost of her education, but I don't want to over-contribute. What are your thoughts about shifting her current 529 contributions to I-bonds? I-bonds currently earning higher rate than her target fund, and interest earned is tax-free if you use for education. I'm in. I love this idea. If you want to like reduce some of your stress around the loss of this fund, you may want to just shift some of the bond money into cash that's already in there, just to give yourself some peace of mind. Because you know we're going to need the money in you know two years. So, but new money going into the I, I bonds, I like it. I like it. Darren writes that he filed for bankruptcy 20 years ago and he hasn't had a line of credit since, meaning I guess he hasn't applied for credit since. He said he re- landed a good job after the pandemic. He's making $66,000 a year and he wants to soon be able to buy a house. My children are all grown and few expenses. But when I apply for a credit card to try and rebuild my credit, I get denied for no credit experience. How do I get my credit score to go above zero when no one will give me credit? Ah, you start, Darren, with a secured credit card. That's where you start. It's almost like a prepaid credit card. Think about that. That's what a secured credit card is. You put, say, 500 bucks down, okay? And you then charge $500, it gets paid off. And then they increase it a little bit and you go from there. But that's your gateway to getting uh, or, and rebuilding your credit. And I think that's what you start with. Don't be in a rush to buy a house. Maybe you don't need to. Maybe it's just fine for you to rent. Renting is good as you rebuild. So let's see how that goes. Julie says, assuming we've got plenty of cash to pay taxes, should we convert as much as we can from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA? We are worried about our high required minimum distributions later on. We're 55 now. Is there a reason not to do it or a point when we stop doing it? Mark, is there a reason not to do it? I guess if you're going up into a very high tax bracket by doing it. But if you've got plenty of cash to pay the tax and you want to start whittling it down, yeah, I would start to do that. Uh, you got 15 years, maybe longer, because maybe this new addendum to the SECURE Act is going to happen. We'll see. Given that you have, let's say, 15 years at least until you claim Social Security, assuming you're waiting till 70, this is the time to do it. And um, I would you know, spread it out to make the tax penalty a little bit more palpable. But you didn't give us a lot of details, but I don't think there's a big downside to it. You've got As long as you have the cash, Number one for me is liquidity. 
I want liquidity. Liquidity is your key. The access to cash that has already been taxed, that is a key to making so many of these financial moves possible. Okay. All right. Let's talk to Todd, who is paying down debt. Okay. I saw a segment of yours on CBS Mornings earlier this week. You were talking about paying down debt. You mentioned that it's good to start by tackling the highest interest rate cards and putting more money towards that than paying the minimum on other cards. I didn't say that exactly. What I said was pay highest interest debt first, make the minimum on the other cards, right? So don't get behind on those cards. The question Todd asks about what about consolidation loans? He says, I keep getting emails from a specific company and they said they're going to consolidate our debt and pay one monthly payment at a lower rate. Are they a good idea? Are there companies that are more reputable than others in your eyes? Todd, I am not a fan of these companies. If you want to try to get your interest rate down, call your outstanding loan providers and ask them to lower the rate and see if you can do this. I I mean, most of the time, you're just better off doing it yourself and I, I generally, I think that you're better off managing this than you think. So if you want to follow up with us uh, with a, an additional, you know, here are more details about what's going on, then we can kind of run the numbers with you. All right. Okay. Mary writes, hi, I'm working on a household budget worksheet for retirement. How does one predict how much money is needed in retirement for homeowners insurance, household improvements and maintenance? Property taxes, taxes, electric, oil, gas, internet, cable, water, is there a website explaining how to figure out this information? Oh, how nice. Love watching you on CBS in the mornings and listening to the pod. Thank you, Mary. You know, I think this is a, I think that Mary might be overthinking this a little bit, although I love her, you know, her energy in being able to direct this. But here's how I think about it. What are you spending now, Mary? Look at that. And then you tell me what's going away in retirement. That's the easier way to do it. It's like the the little shortcut. So let's pretend that you are spending $5,000 a month on various things, all that stuff, okay? And you say, in retirement, what is what am I not going to have to pay for? And it looks to me, out of all those things, maybe there are some work-related things that are in there. But maybe your healthcare is going to be more expensive because as you get older, your healthcare costs more. That's kind of how I look at it. In general, I like to say to people, try to just count on spending the same amount of money that you're spending today during retirement, unless you're going to make some substantial changes. Maybe you're going to move from a high tax state to a low cost state. Maybe you're going to really reduce the footprint of your living space, right? I'm going from a 3,500 square foot house to a 1,200 square foot apartment. Like, unless there's something big like that, I would just use what you're spending now. Oh, Mark, I forgot to tell you, I read this wild article just speaking about downsizing. You should look it up. It's in the New Yorker. It's about a retirement community, a 55 plus community in Florida that's called Latitudes Margaritaville. It's like Jimmy Buffett developed it with some private equity guys. And it's essentially a bunch of 55 year olds who are living their best lives like their old college years in Florida. The funny part is it about it? 
they keep citing so many people who are in the article, like people who are doing different things and where they came from. I cannot tell you how many people are like, I'm a retired teacher. I'm a retired policeman from New York, from New Jersey, from this place, from these high tax states. And they all say, well, we moved away from these high tax states and now can live in a low tax state like Florida, except the whole high tax state, that that system is part of the system that gave you the ability to have these big pensions. I mean, I could not imagine anything worse. I was, I don't think I was a very good college student in some ways. I didn't really love the whole party scene. I found it to be exhausting. As you know, Mark, I've been an early riser my whole life. As a result, the whole party scene of college is just nothing that I want to relive. I never, I was, you know when I was happiest? In a single. <laughs> When I lived, my poor best friend, Deborah and I had to get divorced after living together for a semester because we drove each other crazy. Thank God she's still one of my besties. But we did have to like break up because we didn't live very well together. We both got singles and I think we were both much happier for it. Anyway, count on the same expenses going forward, Mary. And the only thing that I really think is big that you're not doing is saving for retirement. That's really the biggest thing. Beyond that, I don't know if you're going to do much different. All right. I think that's it. That's our Friday show. So on Fridays, we do some business. So let's do some business first. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer, and we are distributed by Cadence 13. A couple of things that we would ask you to do. You should sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Comes out every Friday. Mark does a great job on that. So today you would be getting it if you were signing up for it. Leave us a rating and a review, please. It would make us feel so happy. That would be your one thing. When I ask you to do something nice for someone else today, if you leave a rating or review on Apple for this podcast, you're off the hook for the day. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.